The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to the Sox Machine Podcast from Nashville, Tennessee, during the 2023 Major League Baseball Winter Meetings. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, and it was a pretty quiet day one of the winter meetings. No big deals during the morning or afternoon to allow time for Jim and I to get lay of the land at the massive Gaylord Opryland Convention Center. And you probably have seen on social media, everybody kind of teasing the event and just how huge the convention center is and how lost everybody gets. But the Chicago White Sox, as far as news-wise, again, pretty light, but Pedro Grafal and Chris Getz did speak to the media. Starting with Pedro Grafal, as he made his media rounds on Monday, speaking on MLB Radio and Sirius XM and on MLB Network, Griffal was asked about the position the White Sox are currently in at the winter meetings. I think we're in a great spot. I mean, we got some players that are really talented, um, and then we're not going to just move them to move them. It has to, be, it has to make sense. Um, you know, these guys have proven it at the major league level, and if it makes sense for us, um, and Chris and his staff will pull the trigger. If it doesn't, then we'll wait for the right time. You know, but being able to have those players. Uh, as a part of our organization uh, and have those options uh, is something that we're always exploring to, to make us better, not just make us better now for 24, but make us better you know, for 24 and beyond. The White Sox obviously have made two moves already. Of course, the big trade with Atlanta and signing free agent Paul DeYoung. The White Sox have settled on their middle infield for 2024, and Grafal shared what he likes about DeYoung and Lopez up the middle, starting first with his new shortstop. Consistency. You know, I like I like what he brings to the table every single day. Um, you know, you, you get a shortstop out there that um, you know he's going to be fundamentally sound. You know, and uh, and he's going to lead. You know, and the same thing with Nicky. You know, being able to acquire Nicky. Um, you know, Nicky can play second base, play above average second base, and move over to shortstop, and you know, give Paul you know give Paul a day, and uh, and obviously don't forget about you know Colson Montgomery who's knocking on the door and. You know, so there's some, there's some there's some good things happening. Um, you know, and, and the off season's early. You know, it's early still. So, um, you know, 
Chris and his staff are exploring everything to make us better. Like I said, not not just in 24, but you know beyond. But one consistent theme from Grafal is how the 2024 White Sox must play a different style of baseball moving forward, and speed is the emphasis. You know what? One of the things I learned last year is that um, we played a game that doesn't win in the big leagues. Um, we need to play faster. We need to be more athletic. We got to catch the baseball, um, and we gotta we gotta do things a little better fundamentally. And when we talk about you know getting more rounded, that's what it's about. You know, the uh, being able to bring in Nicky Lopez and Paul DeYoung, and you know the, what those guys can do defensively. Um, and obviously, we're not done. Um, you know, it's just, it's the, the type of game that wins games at the major league level. You know, you, you got to play fundamental baseball to be able to, you know, to compete at that level. And that's what we're trying to do. That notion of playing faster rolled into Grafal, sharing what he learned the most from his rookie managerial season. Off the field, and what I mean by off the field, in, in the dugout, in the clubhouse, you know, I, I, I learned how to manage through adversity. And there's a lot of things that come up during the major league season that, you know, even with me and my experience and the jobs that I've held, there's things that come up that you haven't experienced before. So no matter who you are um, and what you've done in the game, you're still going to run into situations where you probably haven't faced before. Um, I think the most important part is understanding that you're going to run into some adversity um, to stay calm, use your resources, use your coaches, use your front office, um, and and just find find ways to improve every single day. On the field, I think I started it off here by saying that um, we just got to play a different style of baseball. You know, we got to play fast. If you're not playing fast baseball in the big leagues, you know, you're not, you're not going to have success. I mean, if you look at the teams that were, you know, in the playoffs and you look at Arizona, and I, I said this when we played Arizona in September, you know, these guys, these guys are a handful, you know, and it reminded me of, you know, our teams in Kansas City, you know, where they just play fast. They make plays. Uh, they do whatever it takes to, you know, to win a baseball game. And uh, they were a handful in, in, in the playoffs. And that's the style of baseball that we, uh, that we want to play and that we need to play to turn this thing around. Finally, the White Sox new brass is trying to change the franchise culture. And Grafal shared what the three new pillars are for White Sox general manager Chris Getzen rebuilding the franchise's culture. And he's got three pillars, and they're professionalism, trust, and execution. And everything falls into one of those three. Um, and it might seem simple, but it's really hard it's really hard to do. We're looking for professionals, you know, to trust the process and execute on the field. It sounds simple, um, but it's not. You know, because professionalism um, is a big word, and there's a lot to it. Um, and, you know, obviously trusting the process sometimes is really hard, you know, because it, it, it might make you uncomfortable as a player, but you got to trust the process. And obviously execution at the major league level is one of the hardest things to do. So um, I, I believe in simplicity. Um, I love uh, that message. Um, you're going to hear that message a ton. That's what we're about. Uh, that's what we're going to be about uh, moving forward. And. Um, like I said, it, it sounds simple, but it's, but it's not. And then finally, Chris Getz did speak to the media, and it was very quick and to the point because there's just not a lot of news, but he did talk about the current market for Dylan Cease and the timing of a possible move. 
Well, certainly no urgency to, to, to move Dillon Cease. And just like I said from the beginning, if there's an opportunity to, you know, help our club both you know near term and long term we'll look at it but we're talking about one of the best pitchers in baseball and you know you certainly uh, there's a responsibility to, to um, for your organization for the Chicago White Sox to do what's best for them uh, but Dylan uh, Dylan's a star in our game um, and you know we're, we're uh, there's no there's there's no real reason to come here and expect us to uh, move a Dylan cease. But if a team brings something that, that meets a threshold that we feel like we've just gotten a lot better, then we're going to do that. Has they been a popular topic of conversation though in some meetings or now? I mean, with with Dylan cease, I mean, there's there's not a club that has a level of interest, right? Um, but there's a pace to these things, and um, you know, continue to take calls. Um, and, you know, and, and certainly compare different different opportunities for, for perhaps getting better. Um, but yeah, Dylan is uh, you know the starting pitching market um, is always you know an area in which teams are looking to uh, dive into improve their club, and Dylan's right at the top. Now joining me is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com and the co-host of the podcast is Jim Margulis. And Jim, we just spent a long time in a hotel for day one of the winter meetings. What are your thoughts? after day one well i get why writers have issues with the opryland in nashville just um you know there's no real connection to the outside world so when you're sitting in kind of like a half biosphere half new orleans french quarter and watching like the sun pass over your head and like turn into night and you haven't really walked you've walked fifteen thousand steps but you haven't gone anywhere it, there is a very disorienting feeling going on. So now I, I, I better comprehend that. We have luxury of like being able to leave and go somewhere else to, uh, you know, to gain some distance and helpful separation. So I imagine like three days without having an easy way to leave, I, I can understand why it might be the case. But as for the baseball part of it, like a little bit slow, a little bit uh, sluggish. It really seems like Shohei Otani his uh, market and his whole um, process is what's kind of holding everything up, or at least, you know, I guess the implications on luxury tax and backup plans and such are so massive for the biggest spenders that it probably can't help but affect things downstream because, like, if the White Sox are holding out for the bidders who lose out in Otani and Yamamoto and others... Uh, to get more desperate, I imagine like free agents are kind of feeling the same thing. Like, well, I don't want to settle for something now if I know that a team misses out on Yamamoto and Snell and all of a sudden Jordan Montgomery and I'm the best option in town. And so I don't want to sign. So I can understand the ramifications, but I do wish, you know, even though it's his life and a very important momentous decision, I wish he would hurry up with it just so we could all move on because <laughs> as White Sox, uh, writers and podcasters and people who follow them like we know it's not going to involve the white Sox at all so like it, it's it's irrelevant to our interests hurry it up shohei that's how a lot of people feel right now and the latest shohei update he followed uh san francisco giants pitcher logan webb on instagram so giants fans think that they're in the running he supposedly met with toronto blue jays officials so everyone in toronto is losing their mind New Angels manager Ron Washington won't comment on the pursuit of Otani because, quote, he doesn't want to let the cat out of the bag. So you got Angels fans still believing that they are alive 
And of course, Dodgers fans think that they're still the front runner, and Cubs fans think that they're still involved. Yeah. Uh, mass hysteria when it comes to Shohei Otani, but it doesn't seem like he is, uh, he is close to making a decision as, uh, we record this podcast and with our luck after we record this, uh, he will make his decision and we have to record an entirely different episode. But when it comes to the Chicago White Sox, you guys just heard about the quotes from Pedro Grafal and Chris Getz. And let's start with the quotes from Pedro Grafal, Jim, and let's, and uh, Grafal said that the way the White Sox play baseball is not a winning style of baseball. And he also touched on this philosophy again of what kind of baseball that they do want to play in the South Side in 2024. They want to be much faster. And when he was asked about what lessons he learned in his first year as a manager, he touched on the point again that he would like to see his team play more like the Arizona Diamondbacks did in 2023. That's fine, Jim. I don't think you are using your home ballpark to the fullest. And yeah, Arizona got to the World Series, but they just did not have the firepower to overcome the Texas Rangers. So again, a White Sox employee settling to finish in second place <laughs> following the Jerry Reinsdorf yep. quote. But my question is, like, I understand what Pedro Grafal may want, and maybe he is in alignment with what Chris Getz and Josh Barfield want to bring to the Chicago White Sox organization from, from a position player front. But do the White Sox have those players right now to pull off this type of strategy? I can approach these quotes by being uh, charitable and uncharitable. I think the one I will interpret charitably is the playing faster. Like I don't necessarily means I think that means they're going to steal like twice as many bases or lead the league in triples or anything like that. There is room for the White Sox to play faster in terms of processing the game faster. Like they often looked um, overmatched by the speed of the game. I would especially say like somebody like Oscar Colas, just how you could see the wheels turning when it came to like where to throw the ball, how to collect the ball. It just looked really out of sorts. We've seen it uh, with like Romy Gonzalez at times. We've seen it with the younger players. We, I mean, we see with Gavin Sheets because he is just uh, the opposite of fleet of foot out there. So like the game looks slow to him. Andrew Benintendi surprisingly, you know, looked kind of slow in left field for how well he runs the bases otherwise. So when it comes to like, the way the White Sox could like get to the ball faster, nowhere to go with the ball faster. I can see them like playing a faster style and not letting the game speed up on them and, and basically controlling the tempo. Like if you said like, we're going to control the tempo better, I would 100% agree with that being something they can control and something they can maybe do better as long as they don't uh, you know put too many players out of position. So that one I'm inclined to give a little bit of a charitable reading to and not just assume he's talking about foot speed and athleticism and uh, all that kind of stuff. What frustrates me about Grafal, among many things, but in this case, like when people were asking him at the end of the year, saying like, what have you learned? He said, I've learned a lot of things. I don't want to get in specifics. Like you always, you'd always like uh, dodge the question and not answer it in a way that provided any kind of satisfaction. And so like when they asked him the question again, he says, yeah, what did you learn from your, your managing? I want my team to play like the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's not anything he learned, you know, in terms of like what he did or what he can do. You know, he's basically saying like, I want a different team. Like that's not yeah. a lesson. 
Yeah. I mean, he might want it. If, well, he might I want mean, it. That is something that he learned. My first year managing yeah. the White Sox, uh, I agree with Chris Getz. I don't like this team either. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, there's just, there hasn't been this kind of like, here's what I did wrong. Here's what I can do. Like, I'm like Tori Lavolo, like, uh, like the way he handled the post game press conferences during the World Series, talking about, uh, changes and just you know they their approach to the game and saying you know, kind of near tears almost like i think he goes the opposite way and just that you know he's very emotional but like he apologized and i don't think he had to apologize but like he took it very seriously and owned up to mistakes and he's been there a while uh and through some losing seasons and he could have been somebody who was cut or changed changed out because they just were underachieving or not getting to where they needed to be and you can always blame the manager for that nobody really thinks twice about it but they really stuck by him and I think part of that is he's good at leveling with players and not having this kind of ego to where um if the team does something wrong it's a team like he very much points the finger to himself even if it's you know just uh, human error or if it's like player error that's masquerading as a decision mistake or what have you. So, I mean, like you have that on one end of the spectrum. Then you have Grafol, like just saying, I learned a lot. Don't want to get in specifics. I'm never going to give you specifics. I'm never going to give you evidence that I'm seeing what you're seeing. And I'm just going to va- make vague agreements with Chris Getz because, uh, you know, he is in charge of my job and he's the guy to kiss up to now. So that's uh, the way I'm going to go about it. So it's very unsatisfying. And I don't think there's really anything to gain from that. As for like the Diamondbacks, you know, in that part and just do they have the players like defensively, maybe like with uh, DeYoung and Lopez in the middle, like that's better depending on who they get at catcher, like that could be better. So I can see them playing better defense all around. I think right field will kind of be the key in terms of how well, you know, they, they improve that spot. But, you know, my approach like when it comes to how I'm viewing this team right now is just like they're they're gonna play quick games they're gonna they're they're trying to make as many outs as quickly as possible uh defensively and they're not doing anything to solve the plate discipline uh inability to get on base uh see a lot of pitches extend innings offensively so they're gonna make quick outs offensively as well and you could be looking at a lot of two hour and eight minute games if you're gonna be bad be quick about it our friend James Vegan tweeted that out because one of his last stories that he wrote about the White Sox for the Chicago Sun-Times was highlighting the fact that the White Sox have the worst plate discipline offensively and they allowed the most walks. So to James's point that he was trying to make on Twitter is that, well, maybe controlling the strike zone on both offense and pitching should be priority number one, but that's not what we're hearing from the manager. Yeah, you. That's uh, that's the other thing I was gonna say. You can't play a winning style of baseball without doing things that win games. Right, like getting on base, <laughs> hitting homers, like the you know mistakes in the field on the base paths, etc. Those are very frustrating, and they lead to giving the team a clownish look. And so I understand like the impulse to say like we got to clean this up. We got to be better at everything we can control but when you're not doing the things that actually make a difference the big things like focusing on little things you know the little things are the little things because they're little the big things are the big things because they matter a lot so if they're not paying any attention to the big things there's only so much you can do with little things before like have to start 
you know, controlling the strike zone better, have to start having longer innings than the opponent has. You need to be able to hit for extra bases and, and try to need fewer hits to score runs. Uh, and the White Sox haven't really addressed that. And the problem with that is if you try to get by with being like the perfect execution team, like, you know, God forbid I bring them up, but the 2015 Royals, like, you know, they were a team that really got by an execution and that kind of approach. But like when you don't do that well, uh, then all of a sudden you start pressing to make things happen, to try to uh, out execute the other team and out hustle them and turn into Nick Magical by trying to take the extra base when the extra base isn't there. And that leads to you know, kind of a, a circular thing where all of a sudden your fundamentals are poor because you have to out-fundamental everybody else. And uh, there, you, know, you can't really do that with effort. So uh, that's why you know, they're putting the cart before the horse when saying winning style of baseball. When winning style is, you know, that's, those are extra points. You know, the, the being able to walk more than your opponents, being able to uh, get the ball in the air and over the fence more than your opponents, that, that's a winning style. And the rest is, you know, kind of just details. I agree with Pedro Grafal. The White Sox did not play a winning style of baseball in 2023. It's quite evident when you lose 101 games. I'm just not completely sold on the Arizona Diamondbacks method of winning. And uh, by the way, they acquired Eugenio Suarez and they're trying to acquire more power because they learned that lesson in the playoffs. Yes, we won the National League pennant with an 84 and 78 record. But if we ever want to win a world championship, we are going to need more power in order to do that. Uh, so it's just kind of comical to me. The team that the White Sox want to be like uh, is a team looking to add more power <laughs> to their lineup. It's like, yeah, White Sox, you know, that's a good idea. We're going to take another step in a different direction <laughs> as uh, we're trying to combine our wonderful speed in the outfield. But, you know, they're not going to probably bring back Lords Guriel, so they're going to have another left fielder. And even in center field with Alec Thomas, he's great defensively, but offensively he's not up to par quite yet. He's still very young. You got Corbin, you got what Corbin Carroll in right field. That's, and maybe they move him over to, to center field for the 2024 season. They got a lot of holes. They got to figure out on how the diamondbacks defend their national league pennant in 2024. So again, I agree with Grafal, not a winning way of playing baseball in 2023 for the white Sox. Not exactly sure about this strategy. I'm still not sold on what the White Sox are trying to accomplish, at least when Pedro Grafal talks. Now, Chris Getz did speak a lot of questions in regards to Dylan Cease. And the latest about Dylan Cease after day one of the winter meetings as we currently record this, and that's the key phrase here because things could obviously change during the winter meetings, but nothing is close right now. And teams are interested and Chris Getz admitted that he has spoken to many teams regarding Dylan Cease. But just like we talked about in our previous podcast, nobody is meeting the price tag right now to convince Chris Getz to make a deal and send Dylan Cease elsewhere. Adding to this, so Ken Rosenthal's report was kind of true. The White Sox are, are waiting. But Atlanta Braves MLB reporter Mark Bowman wrote in his latest piece covering the day one of the winter meetings for the Atlanta Braves that the Braves don't feel like they are a fit for Dylan Cease and the White Sox, and their interest and involvement has been overblown. 
Jim, what do you make of that report coming from Atlanta that they may not be all that serious regarding seas? Well, I think, you know, looking at it from the White Sox perspective and how we've talked about them, like being a fit theoretically in terms of like having a top 100 prospect, having uh, a couple top 100 prospects and maybe a, a extra arm that's of interest and whatnot. But it's also like, you know, all right-handed pitchers. Their entire system is right-handed pitchers. Trading for Jared Kelnick, they traded two right-handed pitchers to get him, including one they just acquired from the Royals. So, you know, we've been unexcited, like somewhat intrigued, understanding that like, you know, value is value and whatnot, but there isn't quite that, like if you're looking for a position player mix or a little bit of uh, variety, whether it's in terms of positions or the organization from which these players are coming, given that they acquired five uh, players from the Braves for Aaron Bummer, it just feels like a lot of the same. So like it hasn't been the greatest fit and you know, that, would be like an unusual amount of self-awareness if the Braves are saying like, yeah, I mean, we're interested, like, but you know, they don't really like what we have and we're not going to use like that negging to try to like, you know, uh, dip into our major league roster or something like that to really, uh, um, you know, over pursue them. So I can see it being like, yeah, we've checked in. Uh, we have some, and you know, we have some interest. Cease is a uh, Georgia product. So like, he probably has an interest and the agent doesn't mind maybe having that out there that uh, sees like a return to the Braves and or a return to Atlanta. And uh, that'd be kind of neat for his player. So there's some like interest in like keeping it afloat. But if the Braves are saying like, yeah, we're not, we just can't push that hard because we just haven't gotten the feedback we want from the players we're comfortable offering and just at a stalemate. We'll talk about day two of the winter meetings next after a quick word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Sox Machine Podcast. And again, day one for the Chicago White Sox of the winter meetings was pretty quiet. Actually, for everyone in Major League Baseball, it was pretty quiet. 
as we record this a little behind the scenes, it's currently 8.40 p.m. Central Time, which is the local time for the winter meetings. And the largest signing so far is Wade Miley <laughs> to the Milwaukee Brewers on a one-year contract for like $8 million. Uh, there's some managerial news as far as contract extensions. Uh, the Detroit Tigers, the Philadelphia Phillies extended their managers with A.J. Hinch and Rob Thompson. Old friend Joey Cora now is going to be the third base coach for the Detroit Tigers. But that was pretty much it so far in day one as we record this. And administrative duties, basically. Administrative duties, pretty much. And watch at 11 o'clock midnight. That totally changes. But looking ahead to day two, Jim, what are you most interested in as we revisit the Gaylord Opryland Convention Center. Well, I'm trying to figure out if there's any place I need to take you for breakfast after doing biscuits in the morning. So there's that. I'm trying to figure <laughs> nice. out what else you need yes. to do for a representative Nashville experience. Um, other than that, I think it's probably just, you know, figuring out what Shohei Otani is doing as frustrating as that is, or, you know, just kind of as much as it leads to a stalemate. Like I was kind of just interested in just uh, watching, um, you know, People come and go. That was kind of like people yeah. watching was the fun part. Uh, conversations uh, following up on that Stephanie Epstein article from Sports Illustrated, looking at all the uh, people who dress alike with the tech pants and Cole Haan dress sneakers and uh, quarter zips. Like I was like, yep, yep. Check, check, check. And uh, enjoying that. So like that's kind of what I'm getting out of the Opryland experience right now. But yeah, I, I think as long as like Getz is just, you know, content on waiting for somebody to step in up and offer something more and nobody's really moving on any front player wise until Otani signs, then, you know, perhaps it will be more of the same. It'll be kind of feeling like a wash a little bit, but yeah, it, it's, uh, I think it's not in baseball's interest to have it go completely dormant. You know, like Jim Leland's kind of fun. They have the draft lottery. I guess that makes news if there's no news. Yep. So there's that. But I think before the draft lottery, which is, I think, at 430, there's not a whole lot going on, uh, you know, to prompt interest if like Otani's camp is completely quiet. Yeah. And just to kind of like set the scene when Jim and I get there and we find where all the media is. It's a ton of cameras, Jim. I mean, you got Sirius XM, MLB, our friend Mike Farron hosting his radio show there, interviewing executives and coaches. Then right next to them is the Yes Yes Network for the Yankees. It's shocking and how small the ESPN Baseball Tonight setup is. When you see SNY set up mm-hmm. and they cover the Mets, like you would think that's the ESPN set. No, Jeff Passon pretty much gets like a five by five square uh, to do his reporting from Nashville right now. And then it just kind of moves down the line until you get to the MOB network set, uh, the big desk that they have. It's a lot of cameras. It's a lot of media people for all these people to come to Nashville and no major breaking news happens. I could see where executives and especially agents are like, this is a waste of time. Like, Major League Baseball, you're going to have to do something else in the winter meetings to merit all this attention and have everybody group up together if you're not going to have news breaking. But it ebbs and flows. Again, last winter meetings I went to in 2019, you had major news every single day that kept everyone busy. 
day two, if nothing breaks before the MLB draft lottery, Jim, I think it's just going to be more visiting people. And, you know, as you mentioned, people watching and introducing ourselves to others. We had Jonathan Nelson, the Birmingham Barons general manager, stop by and say hi. We met up with Scott Merkin. Old friend Dan Hayes Mm -hmm. uh, is around. Herb Lawrence and uh, the CHGO guys, they got a table over there and we got to hang out with them and chat with them. Yeah, it was it was great meeting uh, Kevin Kadick, who's like the head of CHGO. Like I've known him from the Yahoo days going back 12 years. But, you know, he's been around Chicago the whole time. Never met the guy, even though I feel like I know him pretty well. So it was great to you know, finally meet him and, and you know, and, and, and hang out with him a little bit. So, yeah, it's it's a great, uh, you know, Aaron Gleeman, another guy who I've known forever online or you know, shared blogosphere circles with but never met. So it was great to actually like say, hey, I'm Jim Margulis. How you know? Nice to meet you finally, all, all that kind of stuff. So, like, that's the fun part of it. But, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, uh, fans, you know, like, you don't get any kind of edification out of us right. meeting people. So, no, we, we want some stuff to talk about, too, here. So it's all kind of a, a consolation. I imagine, like, probably tomorrow afternoon, like, when we've met pretty much everybody we're going to meet. <laughs> I think that's when uh, despair and, and uh, that disorientation will sink in and again and go like, how, when are we getting out of here? When is something going to jolt right. this environment and turn it into something more active and not just, uh, you know, am I ever going to leave? Yeah. Uh, Nashville's a great town, but everyone that's staying at the Gaylord Opryland Hotel and Convention Center, like to, you mentioned it earlier, they're not leaving. Like they didn't drive here. They just lifted an Uber from the the airport. So I can understand that a lot of people are not crazy about the Nashville site. But one additional thing that I just thought of, Rob Manfred's going to have his State of the Union sometime during the winter meeting. So that will generate some news and buzz based on what the MLB commissioner has to say. I'm sure questions about the Oakland Athletics moving to Vegas will be brought up. Nashville is a possible expansion city, I think, will be brought up. But also the local TV deals. We talked about that in the previous podcast, how it's impacting the White Sox and other teams as well and, and how they handle this offseason. When is the Scott Boris presser? It's supposed to be tomorrow. It is usually okay. Tuesday. And that's the thing. Boris just shows up unannounced. So you got to hang out in that media area. And because I don't think he's got a credential, he's just going to show up and commandeer the winter meetings. So you wait until you see someone setting up a temp stage, one of his interns or associates pulls up the backdrop and you got about five minutes to hurry over (laughs) and get into the mosh pit uh, of the Scott Boris conference. So I, I, I'm expecting it to be tomorrow on, on Tuesday. Yeah. I imagine like, it's like going to the Louvre and not, looking at the Mona Lisa, but looking at all the people yes. looking at the Mona Lisa <laughs> and being more oppressed by that. Like that's kind of how I imagine it'll be. Yeah, I mean, from a White Sox perspective, you would have to ask about Dylan Cease, right? I know that they just have a newer relationship, but you know, the, the question to Boris about Cease would be, you know, Cease is obviously dangled out there in trade talks. What have you heard and what, you, what have you advised Dylan Cease right now? Yeah, we oh, did see Jerry Reinsdorf around. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, we did see Jerry Reinsdorf around the winter meetings, just you know, kind of ambling around uh, with uh, Chicago media, uh, you know, longtime Chicago media members. And I would like to arrange a meet cute with Jerry Reinsdorf and like Scott Boris, like, you know, get him in an elevator, uh, <laughs> hit all the buttons or uh, you know, have it get stuck. And all of a sudden they have to hash out their differences. 
and all of a sudden, you know, the White Sox, you know, minds are changed, uh, new friendships are forged, and the White Sox will sign a player to a nine-figure contract. Like, that's, I think, what our goal could be if Reinsdorf is still around uh, <laughs> and not just leaving after the Jim Leland uh, you know, introduction to the Hall of Fame, basically. Well, our listenership and viewership and readership would increase tenfold if we were able to accomplish that. <laughs> Just, hey, Jerry. Hey, Scott. Emergency button. <laughs> yeah, I've watched a lot of, uh, you know, I, I've half watched a lot of 20 minutes of Hallmark Christmas movies this time of year. <laughs> so you can always force two people who don't like each other into physical proximity until they see each other in another light. What a better, I can't think of a better location than the Gaylord Opryland Hotel and Convention Center for this scheme in this meetup let's see if we can accomplish that at day two let's see if anyone accomplishes anything in day two of the winter meetings and i'm trying to delay as much as possible to end this podcast just in case there's breaking news let's but right now yeah quick. check our phones one more time yeah, always enjoying uh process on the podcast of listening to people check their phones and looking things up and nothing uh <laughs> nothing Oh, well, that will do it for this episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. Again, day two is going to be the MLB Draft Lottery. We will be talking about that tomorrow. There will also be pieces written on SoxMachine.com for our Patreon supporters. There will be an exclusive piece on the prospects that I will be paying most attention to, depending on where the White Sox are going to be drafting. They have the fourth best odds of getting the number one pick overall. So let's see where they end up. They could easily have a top five pick. Maybe they have the number one pick. That would be newsworthy from a White Sox front. And I've written a couple of paragraphs on some top prospects that I'm paying attention to in the preseason that I think would be fits for the White Sox. And that'll be Patreon exclusive content on Tuesday on SoxMachine.com, which you can become a Patreon supporter by signing up at Patreon.com slash SoxMachine to get that exclusive con- content and also ad-free versions of both the podcast and the website. Monthly plans start at $2, or you can save with an annual subscription at patreon.com slash SoxMachine. If you just discovered the Sox Machine podcast, you can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Spotify and Apple Music. We also upload our podcast episodes into our YouTube channel, which you can watch and subscribe at youtube.com slash SoxMachine. And of course, we've been getting a lot more followers, so thank you guys on social media. We're on every platform at Sox Machine, or you can follow me at Sox Machine underscore Josh. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com. You're home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Alongside Jim Margulis in Nashville, Tennessee, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening and watching. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.